All right, welcome to another episode of Tales from the Pits. This is Brian. And Andrew. And we are here today at Ragel's Barbecue with... Russell Ragel's. Hey, Russell. What's happening? And out here today they had, uh, is it Burgers Brew and Q? Yep, Burgers Brew and Q from the Food Network slash Cooking Channel. Right, and that will air sometime after this podcast airs. We don't know exactly how long it will air, but we'll definitely let everyone know once... Uh, once we hear about when that's going to... I heard May, broadcast. June, and after July. So yeah, sometime in 2018. Yeah. <laughs> no, they didn't tell me what year. Oh, that's true. So keep, uh, keep your eyes and ears out for that. But uh, this is one of the interviews we've been looking forward to for a long time. Um, we kind of had a bucket list of people we wanted to have on the show when we started this. and uh, He was in it? Well, no, but we, then we made a second one. Okay. No, okay. I was under the bucket. Gotcha. gotcha. <laughs> and when all those canceled, we called Russell. Yeah, there you <laughs> no. go. Uh, it's uh, it's been a really fun journey seeing and hearing how Russell's gone from where he started to where he is right now, and how Ragel's Barbecue has uh, become one of the best places in Texas. So let's uh, let's start at the beginning and kind of go from there. Um, Russell, how did you get started in this business? I got started. I was 15 years old, lived up in Longview. There was a guy that lived down the road from me that owned one of the bodacious restaurants there, and he did catering, and so. And Bodacious is a chain up in East Texas. Correct. Uh, he said, hey, you want to do a catering job with me? Help me out. Pay you 35 bucks. Now, this is 1988 or 89. So, 35 bucks back then to a 15-year-old was a good amount of money. Now so, I did a, quite a... just a pound and a half of brisket. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. This is when we were charging seven ninety-five a pound for brisket. Now, it costs more than that to cook it. But so I did some catering with him and um, got out of high school, went to the Air Force. Whenever I would come home towards, well, I'd say my last base I was at was about an hour away from Longview. So I'd come home and I worked at his place on weekends because the military doesn't pay crap. So worked there on weekends, started watching what the guy did. What were you doing at, at the beginning? What? Pouring tea and washing dishes and sweeping floors. That's, that, that's how you start, right? And, and yeah, I was doing that in the middle, beginning, and even now. <laughs> uh, that never changes, but you just get more things added to it. So uh, I got out of the military, went back to work for him, then thought, now nah, I'm going to do something else. Went and worked industrial insulation, which is a shitty job. <laughs> Uh, only lasted about three months on that and realized I wasn't cut out for it. We're going to lose all of our industrial insulation listeners now. Nah, they'll love you. The whole market segment. They know it's a shitty deal, (laughs) but they get paid a lot to do it. Uh, So I went back to Bodacious at a different one and wound up staying there about five years. And then... uh, kind of quit and got fired all in the same day at that one. <laughs> and Can you went, tell us a little bit about what happened there? Well, um, so I didn't agree with the way that the person ran their business. I'm not going to call them out. Um, but I was in the Air Force Reserve, and they, my, my pay was set up on like a percentage. Uh, I got a salary plus a percentage of sales. Well, while I was doing my reserve duty, they cut that pay on the percentage of sales and then charged me vacation, which is illegal. And I told them about it and we kind of had words and she told me to hit the road and I said, I quit anyway. And 
I started it another bodacious in the next town over the next day. <laughs> and it was, it was while you were in the Air Force that you met uh, your wife, Misty, is that correct? Yeah, we, um, you know, I've known Misty and her family for a long time. Uh, we had mutual friends. The guy who owned the original place that I worked at, uh, he was friends with her parents, and I grew up down the road. So our first real date was doing catering jobs. And, you know, it a, just... A, a date over meat. A date, a date over meat, literally. Gotcha. Nowadays, uh, Misty's a big part of the operations here. Um, Where? <laughs> Misty, don't listen to this. Uh, no, Misty's a big part of what we do here. Has helped develop the sides and the now famous bourbon banana pudding yeah, here goodness, at Regal's. Without that bourbon banana pudding, I would be like 20 pounds lighter. Yeah, I think they are only allowed to give you one serving of it because you'll be drunk if you drink. You have right. two of them. So. Yeah, it's good stuff. It's That's really a, good. That bourbon banana pudding is a recipe that we actually worked on for about two years. I played with it for a while. And um, when you say worked on for two years, is that just an excuse to drink <laughs> bourbon and, and eat bananas? No, you, you don't had to sample the right bourbon to use. <laughs> uh, you don't need an excuse to drink bourbon. You just drink it. Uh, I I was playing with it, Misty. How we came up with that? Misty's aunt makes a killer banana pudding, and every time I would go to her house or she'd come up, I would cook the meat. She would bring the banana pudding, and so I said, you know what? We're gonna try making this. She sent me the recipe finally. And I screwed it up. I burned the sugar in it. I mean, because it's made from scratch. There's no Jello pudding box in there or anything, like some people have. I'm not gonna call any names or anything, <laughs> but uh, it's 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 100% from scratch. And so I, I would burn things, and finally I gave up on it. And I forget how many years ago it was. Um, Texas Monthly came out with a thing in their top 10 banana pudding list. And I'd had some of them. I was like, you know what? That banana pudding recipe we've got is better than anything on that list. What was the number one? Verdinsky's. The now closed Verdinsky's in Amarillo. Amarillo, yeah. So I said, you know what? We can do this. And we, we messed around with it. I say, we it, we it was her and I, you know. And just we really put our minds together on it. We figured out the reason I was burning it. Is we needed it is because it was just basically a regular pot so we figured a double broiler and when we put it in the double boiler and uh made it that first time we were like oh man we got something here and you know we we sell a lot of it yeah it's excellent i know we got sidetracked talking about banana pudding and bourbon but <laughs> easy that, easy that to get happens. sidetracked on those topics that squirrel yeah. <laughs> so we'll go back to so, so so you quit one bodacious you're at the next town right. over at the other bodacious the next day uh about a month later, we're sitting out. We, we lived out on Lake Cherokee, and we're sitting. The, the big thing up in East Texas, which there isn't a whole lot going on there, uh, we would sit out there in the middle of the lake and drink beer. Uh, and so we're sitting out there one night. I think this is July the 4th weekend, and uh, the guy that really got me in the business was Gary Adams. And his nephew owned a place in Houston called Baker's Ribs. And had got sick, couldn't run it anymore. It was shut down at the time. So he said, uh, hey, Joe, being Kelly's stepfather, who owns all the Baker's Ribs in Dallas, he, he said, hey, Joe's thinking about calling you and seeing if you want that, that store in Houston. And I said, yeah, man, that'd be a pretty cool deal. You know, we weren't really thinking of doing this because this whole time I'm working with him, I'm going to college. And... Uh, so I didn't wait for them to call me. I called them the next morning. We worked out a deal, and about 10 days later, we moved to Houston sight unseen. 
uh, I didn't have the money to buy it at the time. I um, worked for him. You know, he cut me a hell of a deal. It was. And, you, and Baker's is kind of an offshoot of Bodacious. I don't yeah, think they the, went there. Uh, too, but yeah. Joe used to work with Bodacious, and I think I'm not 100% sure what the story is. Uh, I know he, he moved to Dallas, and Bodacious wouldn't let him go to Dallas. I, that's a story I got. Gotcha. So you came, but you came to Houston ready to run the Boda, uh, ready to run the Bakers. Right. So when I walked in, the store had been closed for about, I, let's see, about four months. And you know, when when I walked in, the rats looked at me and said, "Get the hell out! This is our place <laughs> now." The chips that were just out on the shelves were shredded, yeah. and there were chips everywhere. And I mean, there were there were some rats in here. We uh, we spent ten days cleaning and scrubbing this entire restaurant before we opened. And what what pit was here when you guys opened? Uh, whenever I first got here, Big Bertha, my pit that's on the trailer now, was our main pit. It was in the back room. We didn't have the the whole pit room built off. It was the only pit we had back there. Our listeners should be familiar with Big Bertha. We've talked about Big Bertha a few times on the show. Uh, John Brotherton rented Big Bertha. Uh, <laughs> rented in quotation rent. marks. We, we, <laughs> she, she, she sort of shared at this point. <laughs> Bertha gets around. And, Bertha's, and Bertha's actually a- going to uh, Joey Victorian's here in a few weeks. He wants to check her out and... And so he can get some sleep. I was about to say, yeah, he's interested in sleep. I guess. I've talked to uh, a few people about it, you know. And, and Bertha is a Bewley pit, just like what you're running now. I don't well, know if you caught that but, too. Bertha was not built as a Bewley. Bertha was built as a knockoff Bewley. Gotcha. Now, whenever I got Big Juicy over there... And, and Big Juicy is a pit, not, Big Juicy not is a, a pit. Not a side... Well, Big Juicy <laughs> is a uh, 14-foot... Uh, model 1100 Bewley. So when we got Juicy, I could not get rid of Bertha. So Bertha went back to Dallas. Larry and Luke stripped her down completely all the way down to the cook chamber and built her back as a Bewley and put her on a trailer. And um, she she cooks good. So you, you came in pretty green didn't really have restaurant experience running a restaurant. Right? I had I mean, zero experience running a restaurant. Brand new town you've never been to before. What no, was I was born here. Okay, yeah. But I hadn't lived here since first grade. <laughs> so you can pretty much say I'd never been here before. Close enough, close enough. Right. Um, I thought I knew how to run a restaurant. I knew how to, from what at that time, I thought I knew how to cook barbecue great. Um but didn't have a clue otherwise. If I would have bought this thing from day one instead of working under Baker's Ribs for about a year and a half, uh, we would not be here right now because I screwed up. I even screwed up after I bought it, not knowing what I was doing. Well, you still screw up today. I still screw up today, but, you know, now it's fun. <laughs> we can laugh about it. So you were under the Baker's Rib name, but you had, but you owned the restaurant after about a year and a half. Right. I was a franchisee. Okay. We, um, it took me, it was around about a year and a half, and we, we bought it. We moved down here July of 2001. January 1st of 2003, I actually bought it. And we did that. We signed a 10-year franchise it was agreement. A 10-year, 10-year agreement. Yep. Right? Uh, and at the, probably towards the end of that 10-year period, 
we we um, begged our way into the Houston Barbecue Festival, and I that was really the first time I'd really sampled different barbecues around, you know, because I thought our way was the only way to do it because that's the way Bodacious did it, that's the way Bakers did it. So I just assumed everybody else did it that way. There was no need to to go anywhere else. And at that point, were you using mostly like Baker's Ribs recipes? I was and... using only Baker's Ribs recipes. Gotcha. So, their rubs, their seasonings, their cooking right, methods, which they everything. sold me at a at a at a price. You know, that's part of the franchise. That's agreement. part of the franchise deal. They uh, they sell it to you, and you use their stuff. That's that's franchise. And we we got to the point after that we were right about the ten year mark on that thing, and we saw a different way to do it at at that first Houston barbecue festival that I went to, which was, I think the second year they had done it. I met, um, Dr. Sable, Dr. Griffin and Ray Riley from over at Texas A&M and me and Dr. Sable kind of hit it off. He pronounced my name right, right <laughs> off the bat. So, you know, you click with somebody when you have a screwed up last name, like I do, and they say it right. You're like, wow, man, this is pretty awesome. This guy's He's incredible. You know? I think you got his name right or wrong. Dr. Sable, yeah. Got his well, name some right. people call him Savile, I think. Or, or Savelle. Savelle. Yeah. yeah. There's there's a lot of misspelled, mispronounced names in barbecue. Yeah, seems. no kidding. And, you know, the funny thing is, so when we, we – we'll get sidetracked for a minute here, but whenever I left Baker's Ribs, I was talking to my mama right before we left, and I said we, – we were kicking around the idea of what to call this place. We were talking about calling it the pig on Voss because there used to be that pig head – uh, off the front of the building, which uh, right, your Twitter now handle is, was the pig on Voss for the what? Your yeah, pig. my Twitter handle and everything was the pig on Voss, just because of that. Now that we took that pig head down when we painted the building, and now uh, Aaron and uh, Patrick's dog brisket that's that's uh, his water bowl, I think. Really, I didn't know that's <laughs> yeah. where it ended up. It was at Southern Goods for a while. Yeah, it was at yeah. Southern Goods, Patrick but we, we gave Southern it to Goods. Patrick with. You know the deal. When he leaves Southern Goods, it goes with it him. Goes with him. Well, we gave that to Patrick, not to Southern too. Goods. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it would have. I think been it was out of Yeah, it was off that back tree by the yeah. stage. It would have been fine. Gotcha. But oh, it's good to know that the the pig still has a home. Yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just a dog bowl now, and uh, <laughs> Patrick will redo it. You know, I I had kept it back there by the woodpile, you know, thinking I was going to redo it, and finally Misty comes in one day and she's like, "You're just a hoarder. You need to do something <laughs> with that thing." So I. Hung my head in shame and tucked my tail and <laughs> called Patrick and said, "Come get it." Well, that really was one of the things that this restaurant was known for. My my wife's stepmom has been coming here even longer than I've been coming here, and she every time she talks to me about it, she says, "Oh yeah, we're going to the pig." Right. She still doesn't call it Regal's Barbecue. It's, <laughs> I, we're going to the pig. It was it was the Chronicle or the Houston Press one put out a thing a long time ago, and it was one of the top like signs in Houston there, there it was, had that pig on there and I think that was before I owned the place though gotcha so yeah the the pig was visible from the road and I was, always uh, remember driving by and I've oh, yeah. told that story before I never came in because it was called Baker's Ribs there was a picture of a pig I didn't even know if you sold brisket or right. not I was like ah well if brisket's not even on the sign that must not be good so I kept right. driving past for years yeah so anyway on the deal about the name change I, I told my mother you know, we're talking about screwed up last names here. We we get said, well, I was talking to Daniel Vaughn one day, and he said, put your name on it, because I was telling him he knew really before anybody else that we were leaving the Baker's Rift franchise just because he happened to be sitting here that day. 
And I said, you know, we're going to put our last name on it. He said, yeah, put your name on it. Make it your brand. So I'm talking to my mom, and I'm like, hey, I think we're just going to call it Ragel's Barbecue. And she's like, God, Russell, don't do that. That'll confuse people. Nobody can say our last name. <laughs> and so I still throw that little jab at her every now and then going, yeah, how'd that work out for me? You know, uh, she's like, I was wrong. I said, I'd just like to hear you. And I want to talk about the day that you put the sign up. Because um, I know you've got a story about that, but let's get back to um, second barbecue festival. Barbecue Jeff Sable. fest, Jeff Sable. That's when you first yep. started finding out what kind of barbecues out there. Right. So, so I met those guys, and uh, I had heard that there was Camp Brisket Summer Barbecue Camp, and so I emailed him the next day or called him one, and and as Doctor Sable says, Russell basically said. I'm showing up, and that's all there is to it. I uh, begged my way into that deal, and, man, that one weekend at summer barbecue camp, my whole barbecue world got flipped upside down. And, and know, what we, about it? What was, what there, was so different? There was a complete different way. The trimming a brisket, seasoning a brisket, hell, we'd never done that. Whenever I was growing up, we basically cut that thing out of the package on the pit and just let it smoke. And then scraped all the bark and the fat off of it. That's what they do at a lot of East Texas places. Pretty traditional, you know, if you look at barbecue history, I mean, there wasn't a lot of seasoning. There sure as hell wasn't any fancy salts or fancy peppers. Nope. It was whatever they had it laying was, around. It was humble cuts they were trying to sell. They weren't going to spend a whole lot of time trimming and putting expensive right. spices on it. Well, our, our my mindset going into that deal was, why do I want to put seasoning on, on that? We're just going to scrape it off anyway. It can't penetrate exactly. the meat. Yeah. And that's still what a lot of people believe. But, you know, we uh, met those guys. As soon as I got home from summer barbecue camp, we came in here and we changed up some stuff. Now, mind, we are still with Baker's Ribs. So we were still adhering to the way they do things. Yeah, somewhat. We started changing little by little. Well, in December, well, really November of... 2014 Chris Reed wrote an article uh, in the Chronicle called I think back to barbecue school and it, it was me going to barbecue camp and um, really cool article I thought it was great I was like wow man we're getting some recognition here must be doing something right well the guys in Dallas at Baker's Ribs saw that and they didn't like it they said because it, it said you that were, I had been you were driving. Like a, what year, maybe in your your? Uh, oh hell, franchise? I was past ten. Okay, so we had never signed a new one. We'd never asked for one. They'd never offered one. We were, I, I guess, day by day. I guess there was no real official, you know. There, were, the contract wasn't there, so gotcha. there was. We were just, I'd say, day by day, not officially. That's just the way it was. Um, shit what were we saying <laughs> that, that they they saw the article up there in Dallas oh yeah so they said I uh, they said well it kind of makes us look like we don't know what we're doing because it said that I drove around and I went to Franklin and I went to uh, Louis Miller's and because that was part of that epiphany you had was yeah I, was the Houston festival the the barbecue camp which is put on by A&M and foodways and then the road trip as well all of that kind of culminated into right. this this light shining above your head that there's a different way to do stuff right well plus i knew those two guys had lines out the door and i wanted to know why we only had like two people in line we were we were struggling we on a good day we were selling six briskets so 
you know, they said they didn't like it. It made them look like they didn't know what they were talking about. And so I kind of said to myself, well, if the shoe fits, you know. <laughs> and um, I think it might have been that same conversation. Myself and the franchise owner kind of just really had it out. And uh, he said something about leaving. I said, well, yeah, I, I do want out. My franchise agreement's up, and I, and I want out. So that leads to the deal. You said a story about us changing our name. Right, right. He said, okay, you're free to go. You know, no nothing. We're, we're good. Just go. They wanted me out, I think, as bad as I wanted out at that point. So he said, just keep me posted. So I called Fast Signs. I'd already had a logo done up. Not the same logo we have today, just something that I threw together with my not-so-digital skills. <laughs> Basically, my last name with a circle around it. <laughs> and, Did you spell uh, it right? Do what? Did you spell it? Right? I can spell it, but can't pronounce it. All right. As long as he didn't put an apostrophe oh, in there. Yeah, I and, didn't put and an for the listening like audience, everybody else does. It's R O E G E L S. No apostrophe no anywhere. Apostrophe. Right. It's not a possessive. It's Ragels. You know, it's not a plural. Ragels is the name, but it's not spelled. Yeah, plural. It would be like Ragels. Something like that. Like Franklin's. Yeah, Franklin's. But it's not Frank Lins. It's oh, not we're not Aaron getting Frank into that Lins. one again. Yeah, that, that's like a whole other podcast, and that's three days long. We've done that one. <laughs> so I called Fast Signs. I said, hey, I need this sign as quick as possible. Four days later, they called me and said it's in. This is about 9.30 in the morning, and Fast Signs is literally five minutes away from here. And so I took my van. I went down there. We had already started pulling all everything in within the restaurant down that said Baker's Ribs. Uh, the logos on the doors, the only thing we had left was the sign. So I go down there, pick them up, load them in my van, bring them back here. The guys at the car wash back behind us were just looked like they were standing around and needing something to do. So I said, hey, y'all come help me, man. I crawled up on the roof, got them to pull this sign I pulled the sign up on top of this the... During, during lunch this is We're open. Yeah. Uh, at 11.35, I pulled that Baker's Rib sign down, and we were actually pretty busy that day. Pulled the Baker's Rib sign down and put the Regal's Barbecue sign in. Now, you talk about freaking some people out. <laughs> you know, you walk, they walked yeah, in and it's... For people that don't know this location, this is a very older, traditional part of older, Houston. Older, conservative... It's, very used to the same thing every day and bakers had been here 20 years to that point it was like 20 years in one month so you go in one place and it says bakers ribs and you come out and it says regal's barbecue (laughs) they're like what the hell's going on here i remember that was it was maybe a week or so later i made my first trip in and I'll, I'll never forget Bruce at the counter telling everybody we're Regal's Barbecue now. We're not Baker's Ribs anymore. Regal's because every, you know because everyone that was coming there was expecting a right. certain style of barbecue, a certain rib, a certain everything. Well, I was and saying, we it was changed kind of a, everything. And it was it was kind of it wasn't really overnight because you were working on a little bit of that, but you were still hamstrung as what you could do. Yeah, I think, we you know. we had been working on things and playing with things for for a couple months. Now I, I will say that our brisket did change before we left the franchise the brisket that we do now the first day we did it was the day daniel vaughn walked in here and uh, i said well i guess we'll figure out if we suck or not you know <laughs> that's right daniel actually reviewed you as baker's ribs. as baker's ribs 
and uh, you know, I guess we did all right that day. We had at that time we had the highest review of any baker's ribs, and he kind of put in there that maybe they needed to come down to Houston and learn a little bit. <laughs> I'm sure they love that. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, they probably did. I don't know. I hadn't talked to him in a while. <laughs> and, um, you know, they're, like, like we were talking a minute ago, you know, we, we changed the sign. This is a conservative older neighborhood. And, you know, like Andrew was saying, people came in and Bruce is telling them, hey, this is what we're doing now. Well, we, we got slow. It, 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 our, our sales dropped like 10% right off the bat. <laughs> But I, I had faith in what we were doing. I, I knew that it would turn around. And I'm sitting there looking out the door one day and Misty goes, do you think we screwed up? I said, no, just hold on. It'll, it'll, it'll change. And so we're, we're struggling. This is uh, probably January at this point, which January sucks for most restaurants. And uh, I think it was about March. I'm, I'm running the block that day Misty's running the register and I see a lady walk by the door that I'd seen one time before in my life and I was like Misty I think Allison Cook just walked by the door so she walked in and I said yeah that's her and um, like I said we're we're not doing anything at this point you know we would really just learning how to do social media J.R. Cohen's helped me out with with that tremendously and I think what brought her in here was that bourbon banana pudding picture that we had put up. <laughs> so this is... It'll, it's like a siren call. Yeah. It'll bring everybody in. So uh, she comes in, she orders, you know, some stuff and sits down and eats. And we're slow, so I get to get out from behind the block. I told somebody else to, to get it for a minute. I went out there and I said, well, how is it? And she she loved it. And... She uh, said, I'm going to eat everything on your menu. And uh, and then so she gets some stuff to go. About uh, a week later, she shows up again. And and the thing about Allison, I mean, she's, she's no longer anonymous. Um, she tried to be for a long time. Yeah, she was for a really long time. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, people in the restaurant industry still knew her face. I mean, it's... Right. It, Word gets around, you know, as far as who this person is, who that person right. is. And but she doesn't announce it. No, she, she comes doesn't in, come in she and pays tell you who for she her food. Is. It's not, this isn't like, give me a bunch of free food and I'll write an article. It's 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 a true critic. No, you're, you're going to be judged based off of what she thinks of the food that you serve her. And she tries to get that true customer experience as much as possible. Yeah, she didn't tell us who she was. Right. Uh, yeah. and, and I'm cool with that. I mean, but she, she came in the second time and... Um, then she came in a third time. Right before she came in that third time, I got a call from uh, the Chronicle and said, hey, we need to get a photographer out there within, say, the next 24, 48 hours. Allison Cook's reviewing your restaurant. And I said, okay, you know, when do y'all want to come? And they're like, how about tomorrow? And so I'm like, okay, cool, we can make that happen. So we cooked everything. Uh, first thing I did was I called Will Buckman up at Corkscrew because I knew that she had reviewed their restaurant and from what I hear you know there's the the Allison effect I think is what somebody <laughs> called it I, I called Will and I said hey man uh, tell me uh, how this you know goes what 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 it does to your restaurant and he said it will make your best month every month and so I was like okay cool 
so she they do that um, she comes in the third time I wasn't here I was out doing something with one of one of my kids and Bruce called me and said Allison's here and I said oh man I thought she maybe she was only gonna come twice and I'd heard from from will that she comes three times and it's another thing that a, a true critic does is you, you can't gauge a restaurant in a single visit no you no. cannot and you need to do it three times well, especially barbecue i mean right. barbecue changes day to day based on so many different factors that we've talked about on the show before whether wood you know whether the wood seasoned enough you know how big the briskets are that you got on that shipment the there, there's so many variables to barbecue that if you're doing a one visit review on a barbecue joint you're going to be misinforming your readers whether that's you came in on the best day they had or the worst day they had or the time or the time was the different times oh, yeah. I mean, daniel vaughn taught me that one of the first things when i was doing my blog was three visits you know you shouldn't make a judgment before because they can have a great day. They can have a bad day. Either way. And eleven thirty brisket and four thirty brisket are two different things. Oh, or say if you're opening in the evening, seven o'clock at night. I mean, right. most people won't know the difference. But somebody who's a critic should, you know, I, I wouldn't say hit there right when you open, but hit the middle the middle of the day. I mean, I I like our brisket at about three o'clock in the afternoon. Yo, it, I, I, Remind me to get some brisket before we leave. Yeah, it's a, that's, about, that's a pro yeah. tip because I mean, that's, no that's line. about an eight-hour rest period, eight or nine-hour rest period on it, and, and I like it at that point. I mean, I like our eleven o'clock brisket too. Now, obviously, like your ribs and chicken are going to be best right whenever they've had a short rest period. But um, anyway, so this is, uh, I guess, Sunday. Well, on Monday afternoon. I guess it's about noon, I guess, that that review came out online on, you know, on the Chronicles online through Facebook, Twitter, whatever. And um, I'm like, wow, we got, I think it was two stars. I was like, man, that's pretty awesome. That's what Gatlin's got. That's what Corkscrew got. I, I said, you know, we, we, we must have done something right. And, and, I, and people may not know, on Allison's reviews... Two is actually, it's one of the best of its kind, I think, is the right. official criteria right, yeah, for yeah. a two-star. Yeah, it's not compared it as, to a four-star. Uh, yeah, no. it's not like a no. social media, like a Yelp review. Two stars is a bad thing. Two stars from a critic like Allison Cook means you've got some really dang good food. Yep. So that was, uh, you know, Monday. Chris Reed texted me right after that and said, you better cook heavy tomorrow. So like I said a little earlier, we were cooking about six briskets at the time. I said, y'all... We're going to cook 12 briskets tomorrow. They probably looked at you like you were crazy, Well, too. my guys were like, okay, well, whatever, you know, we'll put them on. So we put 12 briskets on, and that would be for Tuesday. Man, about 10 o'clock, I look outside, and there's more people standing outside than there'd ever been in this restaurant at one time. <laughs> I was like, holy shit, what's going on here? So we lasted about maybe an hour and a half that day at the most, <laughs> and we were wiped out of everything. And I'm out in the parking lot till six o'clock that night, telling people I'm sorry we weren't expecting this. So and, then, and how were people reacting? You know, we we talked about it being in kind of a an older, more conventional neighborhood. You you flipped a sign. You you've been Regals for a little while, and. Now you're serving a slightly different style of food, right? Same meat, but you're, you're trimming it differently. You're spicing right. it differently, right? You got different, different rubs. 
mean, that day when everybody came in, I mean, most of those people, I imagine, if they read her article, were expecting the style that you're serving now. Was there still some getting used to that from the crowds? Uh, yeah, there. we've only really had two or three people in, in the little over three years that we've been doing this as Regals tell us that they're not coming back because there's too much black pepper on there. And, you know, I, I tell them, I'm sorry you don't like what we're doing. You know, I, and, I, and I truly am, but this is the way we want to do barbecue. It's our, our style of barbecue. And if you don't like black pepper, you're probably not going to like our barbecue. And that was that was a big leap of faith for you guys to make because you guys were, you had a, what, 12 years here at Under Baker's yeah. Ribs? So, I mean, you'd had a, you were providing for your family. You had a career serving a certain style of barbecue, and you probably could have continued serving that and you know it stayed afloat if not prospered so it really was I don't know about prosper we stayed afloat <laughs> some months but it, you know it was it, it was a change based out of not not a cash grab it was because this is what you wanted to do with your business and we've talked about that a lot on the show before about doing something because you feel it's the right thing to do. Not bold moves it by is. people it, just it, really you know it is it, going I'm sure all it was in. a scary proposition when you started it but obviously it paid off and any listeners that aren't familiar with Allison Cook People in the Houston area should. She's been in this area for 40 years, I believe, reviewing restaurants. But uh, Allison Cook's one of the most respected food writers in the country. And and Russell's not kidding when he says she can make or break your restaurant. And if she comes in and she likes your food, it introduces your food to a whole new audience that may not have ever known you existed. Right. And that, that was, you know, on Tuesday, the article hadn't even came out yet. It was just online. So... Her reviews come out in the paper on Wednesday. So for Wednesday, we cooked, I think it was 20, 20 or 24 briskets. And I think we lasted until about 3 o'clock that day. And, I mean, there were people lying down the side of the building. I was like, oh, man, I've, I've never seen it do this. Now, this is the week leading up to the Houston Barbecue Festival, which happens on Sunday. And so... You know, we're just getting our ass handed to us day after day at this point. And I'm sleeping about four hours a night, and then we've got to do the festival. So it um, it, it almost killed me that week, but I'm, I'm glad it did. I wouldn't trade it for anything. I didn't go to Regals that week. <laughs> <laughs> now, it, now, since then... I didn't leave Regals that week. <laughs> okay, we're going to stop there for this week. Tune in next week as you listen to how Regals changed their menu and adapted and evolved over time. They continued to improve their product, and they landed a spot on the Texas Monthly Top 50 list. In the meantime, make sure you listen to the other barbecue podcasts out there and rate us on iTunes or whatever app you're listening.